announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Welcome back to another episode of Serie A Sit-Down. I am not Frank Cravello, nor is this guy right here. Uh, Frank is a little bit out of town at the moment, uh, indisposed. But, of course, we had to bring up Gianni from the couch, you guys. Benvenuto. Thanks, thanks. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. I love the NWO intro, by the way. I should always start off with the Scott Hall. Hey, yo. It's the bad guy. Hey, yo. Too hey, sweet. Yo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, whenever I whenever I am without Frank, I try to bring in the NWO in, uh, as much as I can, so uh, add a little flavor to it. So, how are you, my friend? I'm uh, doing well, doing well. I've uh, been pretty much busy, working a lot, uh, but uh, also reapplying to go back to university to get another degree and stuff. So, I've been basically working full time, prepping for potential studies in the future and stuff. Uh, can't wait for summer break. Uh, I, now I can see why teachers do teaching because it's like when you're constantly just non-stop throughout the clock for like nine months you want those like three yeah. two and a half months of rest so um but besides that i've been doing very well how about you rich how's everything it's been a long time well not a long time i think about like we had you on i think it was the winner was yeah yeah months. uh things have been good no things have been good uh baby number two is growing up he's already seven months old so i mean things are flying by it seems like it just can't you can't be blinking it's gone right so it's uh it's important to spend time with family as much as you can but that's 100 Things are good. I can't complain. Um, we're going to try to get you out of here in record time tonight. No promises because I like to talk. You like to talk. So we'll yes. see. But <laughs> that is the goal for tonight. Uh, rundown for tonight. Uh, we're going to obviously talk a little bit of top four. Mm-hmm. Some Napoli maybe blowing their, wa- their wand a little too soon. Uh, talk a little yeah. Roma. <laughs> some Juventus drama. Redbird dilemma. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll end it up with who wants Calcio Twitter. Uh, but first off, you know, it's been it's a while. Never me. It's never me, by the way. I always... <laughs> Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. It's always That's all right. right. And this makes it feel so much sweeter when you win it, right? Like so when Monopoly finally yeah. wins it, you're gonna love it even that much more, right? So uh <laughs> Great comparison. That's, I like it. That's the that's the way we gotta think about this here. But uh uh Tell us about what the couch you guys have been up to. I know you just came back from Napoli and Italy, really, generally yeah. from a month and a half ago or so. Uh, yeah. Tell us about that trip. All right. So essentially, uh, I'm still very like in terms of lineage, really close to my family in Italy. I'm first. I'm first generation on my father's side, second generation on my mother's side here in Canada. So basically, uh, hello Dom. Thank you for the welcome. Um, so essentially, like I went to go visit cousins there that I haven't seen since I was four years old. Wow. And um, I actually have like second cousins that I've never met in my life because they they were only born after I went there. You know, so I had a chance to meet some of my cousins that are in their 20s and stuff. I visited my mom's town in Chevinata. Uh, I didn't have time to go see my father's side. And uh, and Chevinata is close to Napoli, if anybody's wondering where. Uh, my father's side is Rocca de Vandro, which is north of Caserta. Uh, and uh, then I went to go visit some like extended family in Florence and stuff. So uh, but mostly went for about 15 days to visit family members. But also the reason why I was aiming for like when the spring break hit here in Canada for the schools, I was like, oh, I could take advantage, go see some calcio. Uh, it was fantastic. I went to go see a game in uh, at the Maradona, a game at the Olympico and a game so, at the Atermio uh, Franchi. 
And honestly speaking, the two games I wanted my teams to win, they lose. <laughs> and then the random game that I saw, Fiorentina and Sivaspor for the Conference League, Fiorentina won 1 0. So I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I guess you can't have it all, I guess. But fantastic experience. If uh, any viewers are watching or listening, I highly recommend it. Whenever you have the opportunity to go, whether it's for your team or any other team, you have a chance to go watch some Calcio in Italy, do it. Games aren't even expensive. For the prices that I paid, an average for all three is about maybe 45 euros. Oh, my almost gosh. nothing. And I was in I was really I was in good seats. Like I'm not talking about like there's no such thing as nosebleeds. Every angle is a great angle. Uh for both Roma and Napoli, I was in the curva. Uh and for uh for Fiorentina, I was more in the not the tribuna, the maratona. And it's honestly worth it. Great experience. The atmosphere is fantastic. Always a great time. I really recommend people go. Yeah, I was watching, looking at the pictures, like kind of following along from a distance. And uh, it seems, it sounds amazing. I know anytime you go to a game in Europe, it's so much cheaper than here, at least here in the States, I'm sure in Canada as well. Yeah. I know if, I know if you went to go see like Real against Barcelona in one of those cities, it would be much cheaper than if you saw it like where I'm, I'm from in Washington, D.C. So yeah. Which is ridiculous. I mean, like um, if you go watch like, uh, like for example, like Montreal, we only have like, let's say Bruins Habs, right? If I want to go watch the Bruins play the Montreal Canadians because it's a rivalry game, it's going to cost me just for the nosebleeds, maybe about $250 yeah. Canadian. It's ridiculous you know so like compared to watching a prime times like there for example juve napoli would probably be about 100 euros that's like that's 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 high but, but not it, bad that's not that high <laughs> conversion so oh wonderful and uh for for those living under a rock uh tell everybody a little about the couch guys and where they can find you so the couch guys basically started off as that because my so it's, we're three guys myself nicholas and adriano uh we're fans of different teams and my reason why it started is because my cousin studied journalism at our university here. And as part of his journalism program, he was, he was allowed access for one hour a week to our university radio, which is on AM airwaves. And uh, he's like, do you guys want to start, you know, just a city uh, radio show since basically there was none at the university. And in, in, our, in Montreal, we don't really have much groups that talk that uh, talk about that. And so we're like, yeah, sure. Why not? This was back in 2018. And we did it and we recorded our episodes. We uploaded them. Uh, and then afterwards, when we fit, when he graduated from that program, we didn't have access to the radio station anymore. So we converted it into a podcast and we basically been doing that ever since. Uh, so it's about five years now that we've been doing it. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. We've had Richard on early on. Uh, awesome live in guy. studio. Live in yeah, studio. Yeah, live in studio. Live in studio. It was an awesome experience. Yeah, for uh, me too. Was, yeah, it was pretty great. Uh, we've had, we had the fortunate uh, like of, of uh, just every every week we talk in general about Serie A. So what we do is that we try to invite a lot of guests from different fandoms as much as we can nice. to be on the show that are on Serie A and just like get their perspective on things and offer our listeners an opportunity to hear things that they would not normally hear. For example, like a Milanista might not know much about what's going on. So let's say Genoa, for example, but we have Fabrizio, a friend of ours in Toronto, who's a, who's a Genovese. He's from Genoa. And he's a, he's the creator of the fan club there. He knows what's going on. So if anybody needs to know info, like we'll have him on and he gives us important info and stuff. So it's nice. We get a touch of everything. And that's what we try to do. We, we, we don't focus on one team specifically, even though we do support our own individual teams. But we try our best to give her a broader view of everything. Kind of like what you guys do here. Like I, I have listened to many episodes and I know you guys are both Milanisti, but you guys try your best to give attention and showcase things from around the league, which is fantastic and we sort of do the same thing yeah 
No, uh, I'm definitely a fan of you guys for sure. So I definitely recommend them. I've uh, been following you guys for a while. And so uh, it was a pleasure for me to, to join you guys in Montreal. That was an awesome experience for me. Um, and yeah, it's funny. You know, it's funny. You know, you, people who know us know that I'm a Milanista, right? But yeah. uh, it's funny when people describe our show, it's like, oh, you know, Frank is the Milanista. And then the other guy is like, nobody knows who I support, which I guess <laughs> I, take, I take as a compliment because I'm trying to be unbiased as, as much as possible, right? So. Yeah, uh, but let's get into the couch show here. A lot to get into. Let's look at the scores and then run through them, and then get into all the talking points uh, from this weekend. Uh, starting off, uh, game Lecce against Udinese, a game where I thought maybe Udinese would have had a chance to get a nice, uh, at least a point out of this one. They did not. Strifetta in the 62nd minute would get end up getting a penalty. Lecce win one nothing. Much needed three points in their relegation survival hunt. Um, huge for them. Spezia, another team in the relegation battle, uh, went to Monza or were hosting Monza. Unfortunately for them, Monza won. Uh, nice goal. Goal of the week, Canada by Churia in the 21st minute. Uh, and then in stoppage time, Augusto got a goal, made it 2 nothing for Monza. Monza win that game. Uh, let Spezia drop big points in that one. One yeah, of the big games. Of the... Like, sorry, just want to add that. Like, Please. it's crazy how, like, it's like Monza's been, like, we all knew just given, like, who's behind the team that, uh, that they're going to. Yeah, pretty much bunga bunga parties. Uh, that they know we know that for a, for a good time they might seem like a small team, but eventually could be a scary sleeper team. And now they've quietly worked their way into the top ten. Yeah. Uh, they've had some small like some players that are rejects from other teams, but can be key factors in certain games. And yeah. some it's so far towards the end of the season, dividends seem to be paying off. If you're Monza. Yeah, they are. They are one of the surprises of the season for sure. I mean, they're in the top ten at the moment, which is unreal. I mean, everyone. I think a lot of people thought they were going to survive this year, but man, the way they've done it is, and really as of late, uh, they've been a really phenomenal story, especially since that managerial change uh, midway through the season. There, um, one of the games of the weekend: Roma hosting Milan. Uh, a lot of chances in this game. Milan hosting a lot of the possession in this game, but you know that suits it perfectly for Mourinho and Gianni. You know this as well as a supporter of Roma. Uh, half a half sport of Roma. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have a gear change just in case if we're going to start on that topic. <laughs> we'll go through it really quick. But, um, <laughs> uh, a lot of chances going back and forth. Best chance in the first half went to Pellegrini, whose shot was blocked by Tammy Abraham, of all people. Uh, looked like a sure goal otherwise. Uh, but no goals, not until stoppage time, where Tammy Abraham, off a silly turnover by CDK, uh, gives the ball away. Tammy Abraham, clutch, clutch player, scores the goal. Looks like the winner, but then Milan respond immediately with a goal through, of all people, Salamakers uh, 1-1 in that game. And then in the other game uh, on Saturday, Torino hosting Atalanta. Uh, goal scoring will start early with uh, Zapacosta in the 34th minute. Former Torino player, did not celebrate. Sanabria would equalize in the 75th minute. You think we're going to be, oh, it's going to be a 1-1 game, but uh, Duvan Zapata with a goal of the week candidate in the 88th minute there. Atalanta win 2-1 to one on the road. Impressive victory there. Uh, anything stand out to you from that match day there? I'm sorry, did I get cut off? What's up? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, what, what's up? Oh, sorry, uh, was... oh no, I said, I said, any thoughts from that match day there between uh, the Roma-Milan game and the Toronto-Atalanta? Uh, uh, well, sorry, my I thought I – my mistake, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading a comment on the side. I'm like, oh, did I miss my cue? <laughs> Uh, well, the Roma-Milan game, I think Kyle said it perfectly. It was just more of a snooze fest at the, for majority of the game. Uh, I, I, was, I, was watching, uh, I was watching it, and I'm like, just, there are some moments where you kind of tense up, but 
it, it wasn't wasn't much happening. And if you look at the expected goals for for both teams, I think it was like one. If I oh, hold on, I have the number here. Here we go. One point oh four for Roma and point nine nine for Milan. So the game is justified in terms of advanced stats, where both team both teams got their due goal. Um, I thought it was over at the when he when, when Tommy scores in the ninety third. You know, I'm just like, okay, great. We're walking away with three points, especially for the push for top four. Yeah. Uh, this is very key. Uh, great for that. And then just, I don't know what happened at the end of collapse. Give credit to Milan because that just shows the type of uh, reason why they have that fighting spirit and why they were champions last year is that they don't go away. They don't give up. And, you know, great play at the end. And Salamakers completely, is just open in the bottom right there. Gets a beautiful cross, no coverage at all, and is able to put it back in to Rui Patricio, who recently hasn't been great with the high danger chances, even though he was at the start of his acquisition. So great with high danger shots, and now he's become a bit poorer in that. But, you know, uh, it is what it is. Uh, Atalanta to win Atalanta things. Atalanta keep the good form rolling. Yep. Uh, that's a team that, even though... Um, like, like we've, I think we've said it many times before. Atalanta is that team. Like, you have to give credit because yeah. management's been great. Um, and they're that team that plays money ball, <laughs> what it is with their players. Then it's always the next one up mentality. They lose one, they have somebody else who's willing to take a role. We've seen it over the years with Gosens, with Malinovsky, uh, with, uh, oh my God, uh, Zep, uh, who was it where Malinovsky replaced? He was a big player. He was their center. Oh, yeah. Uh, Illich. Uh, no, also Gomez. Papa Gomez. Papa Gomez as well. Yeah. Uh, they always tend to they always tend to just have these guys that just step up in these roles Unreal. that you never expect them to do well, and they do it. So not surprised by the Atalanta-Torino result, especially that Torino has dropped in quality in the past few years. But uh, Milan-Roma, uh, Milan, disappointed with the way it ended in terms of like you shouldn't have let that happen. But if you look at the way it was statistically, it's pretty much merited to what the result is. And it's funny because it's uh, kind of the same way the first time they played each other, they kind of ended where Milan had the, had the lead and then Roma came at the end with the fighting and they, and they yeah. tied it at the death. And the same thing here uh, with both of these teams, you can never count them out until the very end. And you saw it here where Roma get a goal. You think it's the winner. And then Alexis Salamakers, who arguably had the best chances for Milan throughout the game, uh, believe it or not. Um, and so he, get, he ends up getting the, the game tying goal in this one. So yeah, an interesting game. Certainly though, you know, possession will say Milan has a better of it. That suits up perfectly for Mourinho's style. And I think, as you said, the, the goals, uh, XGs, which you don't always necessarily have to read into. In this case, I think it's it's fair to say that the game was deserved 1-1. And I think both teams will be happy with a point as opposed to a loss. Uh, and and then the other game, you know, Atalanta, Atalanta doing Atalanta things, right? It's They keep finding ways to score. Duvan Zapata has kind of kicked back his form where he kind of lost for a while. He hadn't scored since September. Uh, but he's been doing a lot of really good things in the last month or so, especially with hold-up play, passing the ball, and he finally gets a goal, a wonderful goal uh, past the keeper, completely breaking the ankles of the defender. I don't even know who the defender was, and it completely beats uh, Milikovic-Savic, but uh, what a goal for him. The first one since, what, September or October, whatever it is. Yeah, it's uh, good for them, honestly. Then the, 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 that top four race is going to be a hunt, honestly. It's going to come down to the wire at the end. Uh, Eduardo says, got to thank Robin Milan for helping us get back in the top four. He's an Italista, I guess you didn't know. But uh... Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's a three-way tie right now. They just have the slight edge. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't get settled just yet. <laughs> Speaking of the snake, 
um, Inter hosting Lazio. And by the way, I got my allergies going on, so my, I, f- I can hear my voice sounding differently, but uh, I apologize for anyone listening out there. But uh, the other big game of the weekend was Inter hosting Lazio, another top four big matchup there. Uh, goal scoring would start in the uh, 30th minute through uh, Felipe Anderson. Acherby getting a nice assist. I forgot that he doesn't play for Lazio anymore. <laughs> uh, huge mistake by Acherby. Uh, and Anderson puts it away one nothing. What a uh, nice play by Acherby overall. No, but Felipe Anderson and, and, and Chirio Mobile linking up on that one and, and Luis Alberto as well. Uh, so nice goal there. Uh, and then it, it looked like a typical kind of Lazio game where they scored early and just let the play defense out the rest of the way. Inter had a lot of opportunities, but really weren't getting anything. Pro Videl had some big saves here and there. Uh, but it wasn't until the last 15 minutes of the game or so when uh, they made a couple of substitutions. Correa goes out. Uh, Martinez comes in. And um, he scores in the 77th minute. Gosen's goal of the week candidate in the 83rd minute. Nice cross by Lukaku. Finds Gosen and he injures himself on the play. And then Martinez gets a stoppage time. 3-1. to one. Inter an emphatic win at home uh, to insert themselves back into the top four. Wonderful performance by, I think, Inter. I think Inter had a lot of opportunities. Just couldn't get anything done in the first 75 minutes. But finally, they kind of woke up at the end. And I think Lazio kind of shoot themselves in the foot because they they tried to stop scoring. They didn't really – they thought one nothing they would end up to be able to win it at that rate. And it wasn't enough. No, I, I can't disagree. Especially if, you, if you're an Interista right now, you're extremely happy with it. Obviously, you're happy with a W, but you should also be happy with the fact of – uh, they're finding good form at the right time towards the end of the year, especially that they're going to be in the semifinal versus their main rival in the Champions League. So you yeah. definitely, uh, you definitely, and also playing for the final in the Coppa Italia, you know, like it just seems like, I, I was about to say Limone and Zaghi, but <laughs> Simone Limone and Zaghi, <laughs> uh, he's, he, he, he's making the team click at the right moment when they need to. And especially Lukaku himself, you know, like a lot of people was give him a lot of critique in recent uh, in in his in the season so far for his poor play when he was playing and now he's starting to find a stride which is good on the other end for the Laziale uh, for the Laziali they they should like obviously you, like Immobile just came back from injury you know he's starting to find his stride a little bit but in the past 5 games he only has one goal hopefully it kind of starts like if if you're a Laziale you really want uh, you know things to work out better for for Immobile uh, that's and that's one thing I kind of don't like seeing the fact that like you know it just seems like he's still not clicking it's still not sitting right you know uh, like he's not he's not playing more than like 70 minutes at a time it seems like the guy I feel like as if he was probably forced to come back I think Sadi's hands are tied in terms of like he needs to use Immobile to to get certain results but the problem is is that um, you can't use Immobile too much or else you risk losing him for a longer period after that so um this result, I, I'm not saying uh, I was like surprised, but I was taken aback, especially with how good defensively Lazio started at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Uh, they were one of the best defensive teams. Actually, I still think they're in a, at least top five in goals against. I have to double check those numbers, but you know they started off with so many clean sheets. You know, uh, Provedel just seemed to be like a great pickup for them, and uh, and now it just seems like okay, maybe is it too much? Is is it finally cracking? You know, like. What's the, I don't know, if, especially that if you're Lazio and you're, and you're in second place and you want to hold on to it because that's a great spot in terms of uh, prize money for the team, especially with how Lotito is very strict in terms of expenditures, this is not a result you want to see. Yeah. This is definitely not a result. It's not reassuring. But 
uh, I digress. I mean, at least on the bright side, you can take a look at it. You lost to Inter, which is a very strong team anyways. So it's not something like, yes, you obviously have your wounds, but you should be able to lick them quickly and then move on to the next. Yeah, uh, Lazio still have the second best goals against in the league, 24. Only Napoli has better goals against 22 given. Um, so they, the defense is still holding up as a little bit, but yeah, it have been leaking more and more goals lately. The three goals today or this weekend uh, is also indicative of that. Uh, and I, it doesn't make sense to rush any mobile because I feel like, and Frank and I have talked about this numerous times, that they almost seem to play better as a team when Immobile is not there because, you know, they, they can rely on Zakanya a little more, a little bit more Felipe Anderson and, and, um, and Pedro and other guys. But when he's there, they're almost over too reliant on Immobile. And granted, Immobile is a fantastic striker, one of the best in a long time in Serie A. Still, you don't want to rush him if you don't have to, especially when you have the guys up front who can get the job done. Yes, it's Inter, but come on, you can, you've can you been playing well all season long without Immobile in certain situa- big situations. So I think that maybe, they, like you said, they rushed him a little too much and hopefully it doesn't cost him in the long run because top four is the ultimate goal. And um, if they don't get that and, and it's because of the injury in Immobile, they're going to be biting themselves big time if that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eduardo says both games finished 3-1. I believe you're correct. Inter lost the first one 3-1. Uh, at Lazio uh, in the first part of the season. So uh, that is a good call here. Let me batch the rest of these games here, and then we'll get to some talking points. Cremonese and Hellas Verona, relegation six-pointer game ends in 1-1. Okareke scores in the ninth minute. Terrible giveaway by Hellas. Uh, and then Verdi would equalize in the 75th minute, but not before a uh, red card by Qualialata uh, in the 62nd minute. Uh, he gets a red card for... I'll get back to this red card later because I have some words about this in the Juventus-Napoli game from, from a week ago. But uh, nonetheless, 1-1, that game ends. Speaking of Napoli, they drew 1-1 against Salernitana. Not celebrating just yet. Oliveira scores in the 62nd minute. You thought the game was over, but no. Bulagia, who's one of the best players this year, one of the astounding stories, really, of this year was for small Salernitana. Ties the game, one in 84th minute, 1-1 there. Sassuolo win 2-1 at uh, hosting Empoli. Barardi scoring two goals in this one, a goal in the 83rd and, and in stoppage time. Cambiaghi, goal of the week candidate there. Pinamonti with a strange red card in the 74th. We'll get back to that. Fiorentina, uh, if, if you don't believe Sampdoria is on vacation mode and, and ready to say the or maybe Serie <laughs> Chi, uh, this game is indicative of that. 5-0 Fiorentina win. Goals by Castriovili, Dodo, Duncan, Kwame, and Terzic. Uh, his first goal is of the of season for him, so... Five nothing there, and then Bologna, Juventus, one one. Uh, Bologna are legit, and people got to realize this. Uh, Orsolini scores a penalty in the tenth minute. Good penalty there, uh, and then Milik scores a, a equalizer in the sixtieth. That would be all the goals in this game. But uh, some talking points. Um, let's before we get to Napoli, I want to hold off. I know you're. I know you yeah. support them, but let's let's hold off for a second. Let's yeah. go to the red card in a Cremonese matchup. And I mentioned that this reminded me of the Napoli Juventus game. Uh, Qualiata puts his hand, and maybe it's a chopping motion towards uh, the defender, uh, Davidovich. I forget I forget who the defender was, actually, for Verona. But uh, red card, straight red card by the referee. Week prior, whatever, whenever Napoli played Juventus, Gatti pretty much hacks or whatever you want to say to Harashelia. Did he even get a yellow card there? I don't even know if he got a yellow card in that play. No, he um, didn't. Nothing called. And the, the discrepancy of refereeing in this league is is ridiculous. And both plays could have should have been given a red card, but I think even a yellow would have been fine. And the fact yes. that the, the one gets a red, one gets nothing, that just shows how much the refereeing is driving people mad this season. I mean, thoughts on the red card in this game and then maybe the non-call in that game prior? Well, it's it's very it's very straight uh, straightforward. Um, I feel like as if 
by the way, I agree with Anthony. I'm at the point where Sampdoria needs to be down the city of being clean house. Uh, I spoke with that with the there's intercity rivals with Genoa. Uh, well, not intercity, but like cross city rivals with Genoa with Fabrizio. I think sometimes you need a reset in order to come back into form, especially if you're a team like Sampdoria. But yeah. that's that, that's not the main talking point right now. Um, I honestly think a card should be determined when it comes to intent. Um, if yeah. you see that the intention is there to hurt or inflict harm to the other player, then it's a straight red. But if there is no intent, but there is a form of, let's say, um, aggression or there's like right. some kind of like hitting, slapping or whatever motion, your hands are not where they're supposed to be. Like, why are they in somebody's face? It should be a, a yellow, like the Gat, yeah. like the Gatti Kavaratskelia situation. My personal opinion, that's a yellow. Like I don't think it's a red because you can't really say that he's really going to like pa to patch of a day, you know, type of thing. You know, like he's not he's not trying to showcase dominance or like trying Correct. to hurt the guy. But Correct. the hands are in a spot where like, why are they up there in his face? Like yeah. why are they there? So yeah. I think in those type of scenarios, it should be a yellow if it's if there's no intention because there is an it is an infliction of harm. Or a red, if there is, if you can tell that there was an intention to to hurt the other player, I think what probably happened is that the week before it happened, it was a miss. Probably the referees' association of uh, probably had a discussion of some sort. Be like, well, guys, this was a point of critique. We need to probably work on this. We need to, you know, keep yeah, an uh, keep a bigger eye out for this. We have to show that this will not be tolerated. Because if let's say, I'm not saying he was intending to hurt Cavada. Uh, but let's say Gaddy was trying to uh, get away with, for lack of a better term, murder there. Then other players can look at this and be like, hmm, I can have my hands up in another person's face when I'm defending them and probably get away with it. Because if the refs didn't call it there, who's to say they're going to call it again? So I think probably the referees association was like, hey, guys, uh, this was a miss. We got to make sure that the players understand that this is not tolerated in the league. That's so if you, if you do see it happen again... Uh, try to be severe with the punishment. It is annoying because it's inconsistent. It is annoying. What I think the league should start doing, what the league should start doing is that have some form of, um, I guess, a PR of some sort between the referees and the fans in a sense. Like if let's say a referee makes a call or doesn't make a call in a certain game and it happens to be a controversial point, the referee should be allowed to justify their reasoning as to why they did it or not did it. It might cause issues, it might cause controversies, but at least it offers clarity into the ref's decision-making. Because at the end of the day, referees are humans. They're allowed to make mistakes. Yeah. They're allowed to miss things. They can't see everything. We have VAR to let them know in case they miss something. But even at that, like I think it's the Australian uh, Football League where if, let's say, there's a VAR call, whether they turn it or over, whether they accept or overturn it, they always go on the microphone. Like in hockey, whenever there's a review yeah. on the play, yeah. they yeah. always give a decision as to – they always explain as to why it's a goal or a no goal. Same thing with VAR. The referees in the league should start saying – Oh, due to, I don't know, like a handball in the box that was unseen before, it should be, it should be, uh, it's going to be a penalty shot or due to not clear contact or whatever. It's not a penalty shot, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something no. like that. I like that. I like that. Uh, or do like the XFL, just mic them all up and listen to what they have to say, right? <laughs> That'd be uh, crazy. <laughs> that would be crazy. Uh, speaking of crazy and inconsistency, uh, Pino Monti gets a straight red card for pretty much this Stick his hand referee and say he obviously said something maybe about his mother or whatever, but got a straight red card. If he was already on the yellow, I could see that's a straight red, but like giving him a straight red and you could have cost it. Not that Sassuolo are playing for anything at the moment, uh, Eppley possibly are, but I'm like, give it a straight red, like, really? Like, what's up with that? 
I mean, I, I don't think it's the first time I've seen that this season, to be honest with you. Like, I, yeah, if yeah. I recall correctly, I think Zaniolo early on in the year got a straight red once for arguing with the referee, but it was more towards the end of the game. It was a red yeah. that was going to be applied for the next uh, for the next game. But like, it's it's not something that I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm caught off guard. I think the refs have been really like cutting like cutting down on like tolerating verbal abuse of some sort, and it had to have been something really bad in order for it to merit a red. Like I, I, I don't think I, I hope. I, I, I mean, I mean, you hope in a sense that it makes sense to give the red card. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You just yeah. don't hope that you know, it, like it's it's a continuous habit. I hope it was about his mother. No, <laughs> no, no, for sure, for sure. All right, so the two main pocket talking points of this these bunch of games here. Well, first off, Juventus drawing Bologna, and obviously Juventini are upset. Um, but I think the biggest, so. uh, sure, sure, uh, for real. Uh, and I think the biggest story coming out of this is all the drama that's coming out of Juventus. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've been going through a lot of stuff this season, a lot of criminal allegations and all this and that, but now everything yeah. seems to be centering around Allegri, and three ple- three players in particular, Dusan Vlahovic, uh, Angel Di Maria, and then, of course, uh, Federico Chiesa. All three players seem very upset at Allegri at the moment. Apparently, there's a there's a leak as, as well in the locker room. Um, I know the, the Italian football podcast did a wonderful job talking about this. Obviously, uh, Carlo Garganese uh, as, a, as a passionate Juventus fan, so he has a lot of comments on that. Uh, so definitely give that a listen to get the full scope of this. But uh, thoughts on Juventus kind of unraveling here, especially with a lot to play for, especially the Champions League here. And they're only one point behind uh, Lazio for a second position. It's maybe the wrong time of the year to kind of uh, start bickering at each other before the season's over, huh? Well, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I agree with you 100%. It's not the most opportune time. But it, it, it was a boiling point. It's the boiling point. It, everyone knew it was going to reach this point. Uh, uh, another NWO reference, but this time what you man. <laughs> uh, if we're talking about NWO. Uh, yeah. But in all seriousness, like it's the boiling point was about to be reached, and this is the boiling point. Uh, you, you could see the frustration with the players in that system. You know, like uh, Juventus is essentially gifted with a player like Dusan Vlaovic by saying that, like, you know, like, I only want to play for Juventus. They get an opportunity to get him from Fiorentina early on instead of waiting for his contract expiry. You know, they did pay a pretty penny for him. But, you know, like, it's more like handed in on a plate for them. You know, like, and a guy like Vlaovic being a promising young striker, you have uh, one of the best wingers in Italy, in Chiesa. Uh, you know, being under underutilized. And Di Maria, proven champion, proven yeah. winner, scores in finals. As we saw in his play in the World Cup, he, it's not like as if he's in, incapable of being a big-time performer. He almost exposed Napoli in the last game, like especially towards the end, even yeah. though it was, it was called offside. Um, no, sorry, not offside. It was the offensive foul. I'm thinking of other things. Correct. It was, it was the offensive foul on Labotka. Um, I thought I was thinking offside, but like, no, you just beat the line before the halfway line. Yeah. Uh, the the offensive foul on the vodka, he exposed that back line, scored a very big goal, but it was called back. Like he's capable of doing that, and it's just it's frustration. And when you're a forward on a team, I was talking about this when we had the Lou Ventino, uh, Lou from All Juve Cast on our podcast this past week. Uh, when you're just forget team names for a second, forget team names. You are a star forward or a very strong forward in the sport, but you're playing on a team where every game you are under 1.00 expected goals. Now, I'm not saying advanced stats are everything, but the expected goals showcase that given from how the system or team is playing, you should expect your team to score this many goals. Right. If so, if you're under less than a goal per game, and you're not scoring for long periods of time as a forward because of this system. 
you get that goal maybe once every every once in a while but you're getting criticized oh Dusan Vlaovic getting like I don't know I'm just making up a number here seven million a year and he's not he hasn't scored in 10 games and then all the fans are training on him it's not the guy's fault he's Correct. playing in a he's a product of the system Chiesa is a product of the system Di Maria is a product of the system Yes. So I feel for these players, they're frustrated because they're they're expected to do, you know, find success for the team, but the system that they that they play, that they're playing in, cannot give them that success. And if you're a forward like that, that you're capable, like you like sport, like Keza Fiorentina, phenomenal force. Yeah. Reason yeah. why I fell in love with the kid back in like 2017, 2018, like this guy was a machine. I'm like, this kid's gonna be the future for Italy. And with Yazuri. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's going to be the future for Italy. And it's, lo and behold, the Euro Cup is one of our better players. Uh, and, I and I think Dom put it perfectly. Uh, they sunk all their money on their players, which are fantastic players. They're not the wrong choices. It's just they have the wrong coach for these players. And I'm not saying Allegri is a terrible coach. It's just it doesn't fit. Problem is, you let go of Allegri, you have to forfeit so much in salary. Can They can't even afford this right now with all the allegations. Now, obviously, yeah. as a supporter for a rival team, as a supporter for a rival team, ah, who cares? Let them, eh, who cares? Eh, who cares? Forget let about him, it. Yeah, forget about it. Let him, let him, let him sink. Man but of the year. It, yeah, but <laughs> but if you're a diehard fan of the team, you have to feel for them because these players are frustrated because they're forced into a system that doesn't allow them to succeed. Uh, you see your team suffer on the field because of this, even though they have the talent to still fight for the top four. And they're not like as if they're terrible players. They will find success somehow either way because talent still prevails. But if you look at the law of large numbers, it's frustrating as a fan because you know that this team is capable of more, but they're not realizing more. Uh, you like you're, you're losing some big games. You know, you, you bow out of Champions League in the group stages. Right. You lose in the semifinals of Coppa Italia to your the, to your rivals. Uh, you know. It's frustrating. It's frustrating, and if I'm not surprised to hear players like Vlaovic is listening to offers from, I think it was Arsenal and another team. Um, I can't. I can't. There's Arsenal and another team. I, yeah, I don't know. Probably Chelsea. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> going back to the past, not benefit Juve going forward when the objective is winning trophies for Juventus. Allegri playing Kiev's out of position does not help. I do not agree. I mean, I do agree. I do agree. I do not disagree. Is what I wanted to say. Sorry about that, Anthony. I do not disagree. Uh, and yeah, Keza playing these random wing back positions when he should be either a right a right winger or a left winger. He could play both ends. My personal opinion, you would look good in an Napoli jersey on the right wing that to make a perfect trio of Kvaratskhelia, Osim, and Keza. Uh, I think that would be fantastic. But I, rumblings <laughs> that they want out, I don't blame them. And uh, does uh, it make more sense for them to go out with their salaries or Allegri to go out with his $10 million a year salary. I mean, it's probably gonna hurt their pockets more if they get rid of Allegri, right? So yes, that's why it would be, that's why like, if you're an owner, uh, if you're the owner of Juventus, well, CEO or whatever is going on right now, especially that, <sighs> yeah. uh, whatever the mess of the management situation is, it's more cost efficient to move your players because you can get a profit in return for them. So you can get some kind of funding back. Because if if you just fire Allegri, it's just a straight up loss. Can you afford that straight up loss is what is what you need to worry about if you're Juventus. Is that something that you should just, you know what, screw it, cut our losses at the end of the day with Allegri or move a player, get some money in return to at least soften the blow. I, personally speaking, if I'm the owner, I'm I'm going for the I'm going for the coach. Because yeah. I know that I, I spent way too much time and money on these players to have them just be frustrated. I'm like, you know what? Get a newer coach, somebody with fresh ideas, somebody who's more offensive thinking. 
to use. Well, these so guys. so who's the blame? Who's the blame here? Right? They they knew Allegri was going to be the manager, right? And Kaza mm-hmm. maybe came in before Allegri, and that's not the point. But at least yeah. with Di Maria and Vlahovic, you know what you have with Allegri. He's a defensive minded coach. His tactics are the way they are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't lead to offensive opportunities and many, many goals outside of Cristiano Ronaldo. It, the, you just told us about it with the XGs, right? So who's at fault yeah. here? Is it Juventus management for signing these players like Di Maria and Vlahovic, or is it the players' fault because they know they're going to a manager who plays this kind of way, and they think, I'm going to be the guy who's going to break the duck and change the styles. It's like, no. It's like You should have known that you're going to go to the system where it's not going to be uh, – advantageous for them to, to go into score these score goals or whatever they're probably going to win but they're not going to score goals and then also why are you going to sign guys that are not going to be part of the, the formation that allegri putting out there week in a week out you should play midfielders or whatever is going to fit his system even more more better than what they are right now well in terms of formation you know like uh, i saw a really freaking crazy stat that allegri has used 100 different formations and 100 different games yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and 100 yeah. different starting 11s it's crazy um, but yeah, it's where, okay. So in terms of, it depends on context in terms of who to blame, right. uh, a player like Chiesa, he went there before Allegri. I don't put blame on Chiesa there. Pierlo was using him very well. Yes. It seemed like he was, he was fluid, uh, flowing very well. Uh, Ronaldo was the player who clashed with Pirlo in terms of system wise. And I don't blame Ronaldo for leaving, but it's okay. I think you made it better with Ronaldo gone than having Ronaldo. I will, I will live and die on this hill. I think Ronaldo, even though as legendary of a player as he is, and I'm not talking about how he is as a person or a player, he just did not fit the team. He did not fit the style. And it was just it was just them trying to make a buck on the name, and they did, but that's yeah. fine. Uh, in terms of Vlaovic, he's a young kid at the time when he when – he, like, but he, he, was, like, he was on his way out anyways. He was willing to leave. And I think, um, you know, Juve, I think Juventus should have just waited for him to expire – at Fiorentina to get him for cheaper, but also Camiso wants to move him to make as much money as he can before you know he only gets a little bit right before contract expires. Their ownership, they're like, okay, we need a true number nine. Vlaovic can be that number nine. They were lacking one, so and it was an easy fit. It was a young kid. I don't really blame them for going after that. It was pretty much handed to them on a plate. Di Maria was the one that was weird. I yeah. do agree. Di Maria 100 was a weird signing. You don't like you're like okay cool we get a we get a guy who can play on the wing and an offensive force on the wing and that they were like looking for for a while but it just seems so random it's like you you know when you play FIFA and you're just you're doing yeah, manager yeah. mode and then you see these Probably players the player. signing <laughs> see these players signing at random teams all of a sudden Messi's at CF Montreal that's what happened yeah 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 <laughs> exactly no really yeah Di Maria at Juventus okay uh sure yeah. I mean okay uh but yeah. At the end of the day, I think it's it comes down to management for choosing a a, a coach like Allegri because you know they were just it was just a rotation of coaches and you know it, it, they need to you know like they need to get out of their comfort zone. Uh, uh, I think Juve fans have said it best, and I'm I'm quoting I'm I'm blanket quoting them as much as I can. A lot of them are frustrated at the fact that they keep on going back to the same coaches. And, you know, like these things, oh, what about Conte? You know, like people are like, oh, you can go after Conte again. I, they, they they don't even want Conte back. You know, like it would be the same mess because Conte is a year or two type of coach. Yes, they want somebody yeah. who's going to implement the program or a system that's more of a long run. Pirlo could have been that. In my personal opinion, Pirlo could have been that type I agree. Of manager. I agree. Uh, they cut him off short, which wasn't the best idea, in my opinion, because you don't give him any justified time to showcase what he could potentially do. Sadi was there for a year. Like, he got them that Scudetto, but it was basically 
getting a Scudetto when the rest of the league was still in a bit of a recovery mode. So it was, it wasn't a hard Scudetto. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, I'm not saying it's not merited or it's not justified, but it wasn't a hard league to win. Right. Uh, it was, it was more like it was understood that Juventus was winning just yeah. how they were going to do it was, was to find, was to be found out. But you know, like, and Sadi too, like if you, Sadi, you, and, and Lazio, Sadi's not like, you know, they know that's not, he's not a one-year project or a two-year project. It, for Napoli, it took them about three, four years until they have played, started playing Sadi ball perfectly. It all depends on what midfielders you have. Exactly. And Lazio's, Lazio, you see, they're starting to see a bit of that too. Now they're finding success a bit. But uh, if Allegri were to walk away at the end of the season, who would, who would he a better replacement at this point? Uh, who would be a better replacement? Honestly, Vincenzo uh, Italiano. Italiano would be fantastic because you give like he's doing good things with Fiorentina and yeah. he's and like he's as you can see you know start off with Spezia which is more like a lower tier team. Flavich would do well if he was there still. Yeah, uh, you know he's at Fiorentina and he's finding success with let's say a middle tier team. Uh, and then if you want to give him a challenge and try an upper tier team with Juventus. I think he can give it a shot, especially with the way he's playing this year. He's got them in the Conference League semifinal. Uh, he's, he's like you see games where they just explode offensively. And I watched them live. I watched them live, and the way like Italiano kind of controls that mid, like like well, first of all, guys like uh, oh my god, uh, Amrabat, for, Amrabat, yeah, Amrabat. For example, when you watch when I watch the game, you see how much of a key player he is for that system. But the way they worked is that whenever the other team was trying to move up with the ball, they had three players press on that player. They surround with three always. There was always three players surrounding the ball possessor. It was Numbers a very game. good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was always high pressure immediately. Don't give him time or space. And he's very aggressive. And with a fast team like well, fast team with fast players like Chiesa, with Vlaovic is not fast, fast, but he's not a he's not. He's not a, a walking freaking uh, not concrete. Yeah, he, you know, like he's uh, he's pretty good on his feet. Di Maria yeah. is pretty quick. If you're gonna have him again at yeah. the, for next season, he'd be great. Yeah. Um, you know, you have guys who win the ball quickly, move it up quickly, counter quick counterattack, punish the other team. I think Italiano would be a good fit for Juventus. Um, get you have, but you have to try somebody new. And if you do try somebody new, give them more than a season or two. Yes. You have to get. You, but Juventus is so established in their history of like, oh, we've always been a strong defensive team with strong defensive cores. Uh, we've always been the backbone of the Italian national team, blah, blah, blah. You know, okay, cool and all. That's not, uh, I'm happy for you, but you know, the game's evolving. You have to evolve. Every exactly. sport, exactly. every sport in the history of the world evolves and you have to evolve with it. If you want to continue finding success in trophies, evolve. Well, City A, eh, it doesn't really evolve, but yeah. Okay, the league, <laughs> City A is still dinosaurs, but the play, yes. football itself. Yes, yes. Evolved. football evolves. Yes, correct, hundred yeah. uh, percent. But uh, uh, listen, that's enough Juventus talk. I think for both yeah. of us, we're not Juventini, so uh, we don't want to talk. We're not the experts on this topic, but a topic you may be an expert on, Napoli. Mm. Um, the title is uh, uh, an homage to Erasure. Right, I pay a little respect. Uh, yeah. Napoli didn't pay that respect to Salernitana, uh, ADL's former team, wasn't it? Was it his team or was that Lotito? I forget which is it was which, Lotito's but team. It was, it was Lotito. Lotito. But uh, it's too early. Body. I mean, when Oliveira scores, you see all the smoke going around outside the stadium, and they're already at a party, and I, for good reason, right? It's a yeah, festival, 33 years, and then they shot their load, and Salernitana yeah, <laughs> got their chance, and Boladia is a good player, and he scored. I mean, what yeah. the hell happened? Well, I mean, uh, it, I think 
it's I think Art Morelli said it best. Uh, he said that you expect a center back when you swapped in Juan Jesus for Oliveira, you swap out a left back for a center back and expect them to do the same role. When Juan Jesus, even playing at Roma, was so bad out of position, you're going to expect stuff like this. Uh, I don't blame Aussie men for being back there and being the victim of Diaz goal, by the way. <laughs> Jenny, you're in my seat this week. You had some flip flopping Romanista, you. <laughs> Uh, uh, and no, you 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 are you are the beauty. You are the handsome man. Uh, but back to uh, yeah. So like, I don't blame Aussie man for that. Diaz goal was beautiful. Like you know you know uh, I I think the best um, when I give the quote of uh, Ron Burgundy from Anchorman. I'm not even mad. I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah yeah. I'm no, impressed. That that that, that Diaz goal. Like, I'm not even mad. I'm actually impressed. Like. But the guy whose ankles he broke, I mean, Aussie, yeah. what's he doing defending there? Like, uh, why is he defending? It should be somebody else. It should be a defender back there, right? Exactly. I, and I get but Aussie trying to win the game. No no foul to him, but damn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, it's it's it was a well-deserved goal. I mean, a 1-1 draw, yes, does put a damper on things in terms of the party, but it, it just delays everything. Memo Ochoa has brought something. He was huge in that game. Yeah, you know, he always is. He's, he's been great for them. Yeah, he's he stepped up with them. He's kind of basically helped them maintain that city uh, standing. Last year, we honestly thought that they were going to go down. Then they had an end of season resurgence that put them back up into a, like the bottom ten, but in a safe zone for the team. And then yeah. this year, he's basically maintaining them there, which is great if you're uh, if you're from Salerno, like you want to see, especially that you're like the rival team of Napoli, which is like a, like it's only two hours away and you have to compete with them in terms of fandom and viewership and in terms of income because majority of your fan base is going to be a Napoli fan because they're a big part yeah. of of Campania. It's basically like how Benevento and Avellino have to compete with Napoli and now, for Good example, example. Bene, yeah, Benevento is going to about to be dropped down to City SC, you know, and uh, you know, you have so much like in that region of Campania itself, you have a lot of competition. So, uh you obviously are happy to, to beat the giants of Campania with the, well, not beat tie the one, one, but basically put a damper on their celebrations. I honestly think it was premature. Uh, I I'm so superstitious. Like I'm going to wait until it's guaranteed that we want to whistle that blows. Goal. Yes. Yeah. To, to start uh, celebrations. I love the erasure uh, reference, by the way, uh, uh, a little respect <laughs> is one of my favorite songs by them. Yeah. I think we discussed this on Instagram. We did. Once, we did. When we I did. Shared the video, a random MTV video. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, no, like uh, it's, it, it, it I'm, it's a bit embarrassing sometimes for the fans, but you have to understand that it's, it's been, it's been 33 years since yeah. they last won the league, and they're just excited to celebrate. And, uh, and look, we're joking around because you guys are gonna get it eventually, uh, yeah, this week or next, whatever. But uh, it's just, it's fun to poke the bear just because you guys are so much better than everybody else this year. But uh, yeah, it's just like you guys had it in your hands. All you had to be the Salernitana, and granted, they played very well. Uh, and then they couldn't get it done at home because it would have been a perfect ending to to win it at the Maradona. And I, where, is their next game at home or where's the next game at? No, it's on the road, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I mean, I, I feel like the last two Serie A champions, maybe the last three, have all won on the road. So um, it is it is what it is, I guess. And you're yeah. gonna have a big fan base traveling anyway. So yeah, it's uh, it's an Udinese next game. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're in Udinese, tomorrow. Yeah. Is it tomorrow or? Thursday. Uh, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. Okay. It's Thursday. They're, they're, they're in Udine. It's funny because I had a discussion with my nonno today because he showed me in his little newspaper that they were playing tomorrow. And I was running along. I go, no, no, no. It's actually Thursday, you know. <laughs> and I was trying to argue with him. You know, you're showing it on the paper that it's tomorrow. But, um, but yeah, it was Ribery scoring right in probably. the streets of Salerno. No, probably. You probably. know, Ribery was a very big part for them. Yeah. Uh, just one more win in party time. Pretty much. Yep. Um, 
it's it's gonna be fantastic it's great uh in all seriousness oh, i wanted to bring up a point before but i completely forgot yes uh but that's what happens spalletti made a just a managerial error by by doing that oliviera for juan Zuswa. yes and yes. this was something that costed napoli against milan uh beside their center back depth was is almost non-existent compared to milan center back depth yeah. where you guys have tomori you have care and you have um kalulu kalulu and malik and- and and then now there's uh Malik Chow, Malik Chow, Malik Chow, Chow. That it's also like next guy Chow. up. So so you guys have like four quality. Se- well, let's just for 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 lack of an argument, three solid center backs yes. that could take up two spots. Whereas three Napoli, starters basically, yeah. Essentially, where Napoli, I know Klakmani has been you know playing well this year, but I feel like he's punching above his weight class and compared to other seasons. Yeah, other seasons he's been very average, very like okay uh kim has been great he's been a i honestly did not because especially when you go from koulibaly to kim you you obviously have high expectations because koulibaly did amazing things for for napoli yes and kim filled those shoes very well but outside of kim you know rachmani i'm i wasn't even confident and juan Jesus, even at roma was very subpar yeah. it, and even yeah. though he's about to be a scudetto winner for napoli it's more like a guy like uh, oh my god who's the Who's that Juve uh, keeper that won like eight, five of their Scudetti? Oh, like yeah, a, yeah, Pinasol- yeah, yeah. Pinasoli? Maybe, Pinasoli? yeah. Yeah, I think it was Pinasoli, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's won like five Scudetti but never playing a game type of thing. And I think Juan Jesus would be that kind of guy where it's like, you know, like, yeah, cool. He's part it's of like the, Salamakers and Messias winning the Scudetto. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I'm not saying they're bad players. They obviously can better defenders than I am. I'm here on a, on a, on a, on a Tuesday night at 9.51 p.m. doing this, but... Uh, but in all seriousness, like their quality at center back outside of Kim yeah. uh, defensively isn't that great. And that's why I didn't expect them to win the league this year at the beginning of the season before everything started, because I'm like that back line has much to be desired, at least yeah. much to be desired. And it's been, somehow worked out this year, but who's to say it's going to repeat next year. They need to, that's the spot they definitely need to improve on before next season during the offseason. And to be fair, Mario Rui and uh, and Di Lorenzo, they both have had phenomenal seasons as well. Oh, great. Arguably their best seasons of their careers for both of them too. So that's also helped Napoli's back forward to kind of mask some of the issues that they have back there. Uh, But yeah, I agree with you. I think if they can get more depth in their center back pairing, uh, maybe get some depth in the, in the wing backs as well, you know, for Rui and, and Di Lorenzo. That would go a long way. And I'm sure if you've got Kies in the right wing position, you'd be happy as well for that. Yeah. Too, so. <laughs> <laughs> Center back and right wing is definitely where they need to improve. Right on. Uh, and I agree about that. Um, yeah. So you guys, you guys are going to get Scudetto, hopefully at Udinese. I, I imagine it's going to be at Udinese, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, but uh, well, I know everyone's going to be watching that and uh, watching how the streets of Naples celebrates that. Uh, what else I'm going to talk about? I, you know, there is a, we were talking about dilemmas earlier. Um, Milan, and in particular, Jerry Cardinal, have a, a dilemma of their own. Uh, and, and we were talking about this before the podcast, and I don't think you were aware of this, that you know, Jerry Cardinal and, and Redbird own both Milan and Toulouse. And if Milan were to, if they were to drop into Europa League spot, uh, Redbird would have two teams in the, in the Europa League. And UEFA says that's a no-no. You cannot have the same owner owning two teams uh, in the same tournament. And uh, which I didn't know is that the way this tiebreaker works is that the team, the league with the higher coefficient, their team remains in the league in the tournament and the other team gets kicked out. So in this case, Italy has one of the higher coefficients in all of Europe. Uh, they're higher than league on. And so thus Toulouse, who earned it by winning the cup, the French cup, 
they're going to be kicked out of Europa League and Milan would be in Europa in Europa assuming Milan uh get dropped to the Europa League. So that's an interesting dilemma I had never heard of before. I, I'm surprised it's never come up before in the past with other leagues, but uh, yeah, it, it'd be a, though as a Milanese, I guess I'd be happy to be in any tournament. It sucks for Toulouse because, you know, you do all this work, you win a tournament to get in. It's not like you fell and fell down, dropped places that earned, you earned a place, you earned a position. And then to have this happen to you possibly, that, that sucks. But I mean, that's what, that's what you get when you have these owners that own multiple teams and, you know, it's just going to happen eventually, and I, I had never heard of this up until now. What are, what are your thoughts on this little dilemma they have? Well, I know that uh, if I'm a fan of Toulouse, it's just que Milan va gagner. <laughs> you know, like, uh, if, I'm, if, I, if I, I'm hoping that Milan finishes in the top four because, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. And I don't expect Redford to uh, do any things on their end because it's, a, it's an investment. Why would they lose it? Why would they give up an asset, you know? Uh, given this, even though the circumstances calls for it. So, like, it, it, I think more, I'm making a prediction, obviously. Uh, oh, that's interesting. I, that I do not know. What yeah. was that loophole that Red, Bird, the Red Bull used for Leipzig? Yeah, because it is still Red Bull so, both teams. Leipzig is not Red Bull Leipzig. They are Rosenball Sport Leipzig. So that's a little loophole they threw in there because you can't have a, a, a corporation uh, like Red Bull own a team in Germany. And so yeah. they changed it to Rosenball Sport. So that's a little loophole that they threw in there. So yeah, yeah but I don't that's think Redbird, they Yeah, but I don't think Redbird can do anything in that yeah. type of scenario. It's very similar. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe they could sign off ownership to like a de facto owner, maybe if it's under uh, Jerry uh, Cardinale, like maybe they just change it up to somebody yeah, else, yeah, uh, yeah, as a uh, in proxy or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, in all seriousness, like it'd be sucky if you're if uh, if you're a supporter of Toulouse and you lose your chance at European competition, which is finances for the team yeah. because your owner also happens to own another team. It almost happened with Napoli with the uh, with the uh, with De Laurentiis owning both Napoli and Bari. That yes, when if true. if Bari would have been promoted to Serie A. Uh, De Laurentiis will have to have sold um, Badi to somebody else, and it could happen again this year because Badi's in third place in Serie A. B, so yeah, uh, so they're and they're fighting for the Serie A promotion. It's it's not guaranteed yet that the you know obviously like it, what I know Frosinone is the only team that's guaranteed to come up right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, yes. that's that's only 100. percent Lotito sold Salernitana. He had Salernitana as well when they came up here to sell them by December of that first season. Yeah, and he eventually did. No, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So, so that's why, like, I, I feel like as if there needs to be. I think maybe a compromise can be met, but let his son own body. So does that work? Yes, because it's I not the Laurentis. Yeah. Uh, it's not De Laurentiis specifically. He's using his son as a proxy, you can say, but it's not De Laurentiis. So if Jerry wants to do something like that, where he puts somebody else as, as on paper as the owner, even though like, you know, like how Vince McMahon was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually Shane. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's just, just, oh, you know, it's, uh, it's. Well, the Pozzos are doing the same thing. Udinese and Watford, right? And the other team, there's a third team in there. I forget who it is, but they're the same yeah. thing. So. Yeah, the only the only one that I've seen that it's, it's working out because it's two different continents is essentially uh, uh, Joey Saputo with uh, Montreal and with Bologna. You know, it's two different uh, yeah. it's two different uh, teams and two different continents, so they're never going to really find a competition where they'll play against each other, uh, unless some reason the Champions Cup decides to come back and they do like a World Cup of Champions of some sort. But that would mean that Montreal has to win the MLS Championship and Bologna would have to win Serie A, which I doubt any of that will ever happen. I think Bologna wins Serie A before Montreal wins the MLS. Tiago Mota, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> 
Uh, speaking of good managers, possibly for Juventus, Tiago Mota could be. Uh, but we're talking about some City B teams, so might as well talk about Frosinone. They're the first team to punch their ticket to Serie A next season. Uh, Fabio Grosso celebrating the sidelines like he won the World Cup in 2006. Um, good, see, Great to see Frosinone uh, winning like that and uh, get the promotion. Good to see him back. It's been, it's been several seasons since they've been in the league. Obviously, the playoffs are heating up. A lot of old teams that you know we are near and dear to us, nostalgic, uh, are, are in the hunt, Bari, Palermo, and some of our other teams, Parma. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the race ends up. But uh, Frosinone, my thoughts on Frosinone coming back to City A and uh, seeing the, uh, the the blue and yellow team back in our lives. Well, I mean, now Lazio and Roma have a new uh, provincial rival to f- go up against with Frosinone. Uh, <laughs> he's more likely to get into Europe than Watford. <laughs> uh, you never know, man, with English teams and their money. Uh, Sometimes stuff happens, you know. Uh, but you know, Frozen like Frozenone is gonna have to compete with both Lazio and Roma. But if you're part of that region, you know, it's great for, for them to uh be there. Uh Frozenone, I think in terms of distance are super close to Salar, and also that could be another interesting yeah. derby, Salar Mintana, Frozenone, a very unspoken uh rivalry. Um, but overall, like I'm happy for Grosso, I'm happy for the fact that you know, like some of these players do find success, also have a chance for Almeg. Yes, they do. It's not confirmed yet, but they're almost there. And that's great for Genoa. After one year of going back down, they needed that reset. That's a double uh, for them, right? They go up and, and Sabdori go down? Yeah, pretty much. That's a double. That's a, that's a domestic double for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's just crazy how we see both of those teams in the span of two seasons just oh. alternate positions. And these are teams of dominance in certain eras, yeah. and they needed a reset. But that just goes to show how soccer has ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. So... Um, but yeah, back to uh, Frosinone. Great for Grosso. Uh, happy that he's finding success Frosinone. They're gonna probably do some moves this this summer to kind of like solidify and try to maintain in Serie A. Yeah, because they were a team that was capable of doing so for a few seasons or so. But like they're they're always near the bottom of the table. They're never world beaters, but they do have that cap- capability of of maintaining some positions in Serie A. I don't think Grosso though. If like guys like Thiago Mota and Grosso are ready for bigger teams yet. I feel like as if there needs to be a progression of some sort, you can't go from like, just, just staying like a, let's say a city, a B team and then make your way up. Like look at people in Zaggy, for example, people in Zaggy, him too. Like yeah. he needs some time to, to develop. Uh, Simone and Zaggy took more time. Uh, like I, like Pirlo, when he was at Juve, even though he was doing good stuff with Juventus, he was, because he was so fresh, from being a player, he kind of still saw things that way. But even at that, you saw that little bit of lack of experience kind of bite him in the butt. Gattuso at, at Napoli. Gattuso at Napoli was a great motivator, but wasn't the right fit. Yeah. Um, he, was, he came at the right time to help, you know, change the mentality of the team. But if he wanted sustainability, he wasn't that manager. Uh, they still need to find their form. They still need to find their system that works for them look at conte conte took a bit of time and then eventually when he took over juventus made them into such a force that allegri basically took the benefits of that and continued with it but conte just seemed like wherever he went he established his 352 and yeah. and, and sometimes it got good results sometimes it didn't but it has potential to work look at he took a very very subpar italian national team in 2016 but utilize that 352 to get them to a quarterfinal loss to Germany, which was the world beater at the time, in yep. penalty shots. And we could even want those penalties. I don't even have to go back to that because Zaza oh, and freaking uh, uh, Graziano Palais <laughs> are just idiots. But, you know, like that's that, like, it took time for them to, to, to reach there. But yeah. 
I think the only place where that it would be an outlier and it would work is in England with the championship to the Premier League. You get that money bump, and you can yes. buy players to kind of match your match match with other levels. In City and other leagues, you don't have that money bump, and so you can't. You have to be resourceful and get free players or cheap players, and then that's not necessarily going to get you the bump into the next level. Monza had a little bit of uh, you know bunga bunga money, so they can help yeah. them out. But uh, yeah, that's that's just how it is. They have they they they're one of the richest teams in Europe because of their ownership group, right? Even though yeah. sometimes it's kicked through. So I want to touch upon that, Mr. Bob Lex, just really really quickly. It's not just Conte at the Spurs. Even Mourinho had issues developing, uh, yeah. getting oh, yeah. finding success at Tottenham. It's a mental. I think there's an issue with the the ownership or the management group in general over there. There's a structural issue. It's like the Edmonton Oilers in the NHL always have these superstars, but structurally they just never find success. Yeah. Well, now they're in the playoffs and they're in the second round. But none- nonetheless, for non-hockey fans, you could have all the best star players on your team. And in the context of the Oilers, they have the number one league score and the number two league score. But they never found any championship success ever. Why? Because I think of a structural issue. The same thing with Tonham. Because if you have guys like Mourinho and Conte coming in, guys that either brought their teams to, to Champions League finals or won league titles, or in the terms of Mourinho, won it all. Won almost every, like we literally won every trophy that you can yeah. win in terms of big competition. Yeah. But still, it's the Spurs. It's, 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 it's the Spurs themselves. Yeah, Picatino had trouble in his final years. It's just a structural issue with Tottenham, and it's always going to be that way until something changes. Which I, I mean, EPL, I don't care. <laughs> but uh, but in all seriousness, sure. like to, to be to be unbiased, I just like I like to joke around for the listeners. But for all I'm biasedness, I think it's a structural issue. Things won't change until that changes. Damn it, Bob! Why'd you get us talking about the EPL? <laughs> it was actually my fault. Um, let's look real quick at the top four and then the relegation. Uh, top four has gotten a lot tighter after these two big games this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inter, oh, let's look at you know. Lazio 61 still at second. Juventus one point behind them in third. Then you have Inter, Milan, and Roma all of 57 points in those positions. Atalanta creeping back in at 55. And then Bologna drops off to 45. So really it's down between Atalanta, Roma, Milan, and Inter. I mean, it's going to be a slugfest between all four of these teams for one position, arguably. I mean, unless they catch Juventus and or Lazio. Uh, but uh, that's going to be a dogfight to the rest of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. you get two... Uh, Arguably two of those teams, if not three of those teams, deserve to be top four. And three of them are not going to make it possibly. Yeah. Um, I'll say it straightforward. I don't think Roma's going to be one of those teams that make the top four. Even as a, as a Romanista, I will say that with my heart in the sense that the team is too inconsistent in the league. What about Lazio? Uh, Lazio, I, st- I, I, I think they easily stay in the top four. Oh, okay. I, think, okay. I think they have a bit of a, a solid enough cushion that can hold on. Um, I honestly think it's going to be fight between uh, like Juve. I think they Juve is a team that they're in. They're in like it's not. Uh, they're not like in a troublesome spot, but they have to be careful. I think they're at a yeah. critical point, especially if the players are doing like let's say a soft mutiny where they're just not performing purposely or they're not. Di Maria faking an injury so he, yeah. because he didn't want to play against Bologna. Like really? Yeah, you know. So if uh, so, like if that happens and it ruins the chances of the team. I don't know. It seems weird to do because then you're just like pretty much making like you're hurting the fans and you're and you're getting the fans against you. So that's where I'm saying it's like they know they're on on their way out. And it's like, you know what? Screw everybody. I'm going to burn the whole place down. Pretty much. Right. So I don't know. But either way, I I know a team for sure that I can say confidently won't finish in the top four is Roma because Mourinho seems to be focusing on uh, Europa League. I think uh, I think he's trying to push through for the Champions League by winning Europa League. Pioli and Inzaghi are both doing the same thing. They're trying to win yeah. Champions League the same Champions League. Yeah, so, like, I, I think Mourinho, like, it's it's weird because you watch their league play, 
And it just, I don't know what it is. It's like, it just, they just seem like a night and day compared to the European competition, the way they play. I was so happy Abraham got a goal because Tammy's been so on and off this season. Yeah. And the issue with this team is the midfield. Like guys like Pellegrini last year, fantastic player, has dipped in quality. I don't really blame him. I'm not saying he's the reason why they're not succeeding, but there's an issue when your success is solely based on one player like Dybala as phenomenal as Dybala is now you're not going to have him for a good while he's injured again so you need to look elsewhere for success and you need to find production from somewhere else so Roma Roma right now has got a lot of uh, formation issues and Mourinho I feel like as if it still hasn't solidified yet in the second of three seasons but they seem to be all in on Europa League and I think uh, that's where their attention is I feel like as if that's where they feel more comfortable yeah, going for. Yeah. So right now there's six points between second place and seventh place. And this weekend you have Atalanta versus Juve, Roma versus Inter, Milan versus Lazio. You potentially could have all these teams within three points uh, at the end of this weekend if the way its results fall the right way. Um, that is crazy for the top four. Uh, anything can happen in, in this top four. And it's, I think, just as crazy down in the relegation battle at the moment. Um, I mean, like, Sampdoria Cremonese, they're out. They're, they're in Seti Chi, basically, at this point. Uh, but, I mean, Hellas Verona, they're going to have a, trying to have a miraculous comeback. Spezia are now tied with them in points. Lecce got a huge three points uh, this past weekend. I think that got them out of their um, the one-point buff. So they got a little four-point cushion. I think it's really still coming down to those three teams. Um, but, you know, Hellas, Spezia, and Lecce, they all play each other here very soon. Uh, Frank and I talked about how on May 20th, Lecce versus Spezia may be the game that decides relegation. Uh, but uh, Hellas, you know, they 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 should probably should have beat Cremonese this weekend, and they drew, uh, you know, drew them. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna, and this is another feisty game. While you know, Empoli's still in the mix too; they're at 32. It's not over yet for those for those four teams. No, it's not. Um, it's it's you know, it's funny. Even though mathematically, Sampdoria has a chance to you know kind of stay yeah. there. It's uh, Sampdoria, Cremonese. I think they're more more or less the locks to go down. Uh, it's just, it's going to be a nice, it's going to be a crazy fight, honestly speaking. Yeah. Uh, because even though Salernitana has been getting better results at, uh, compared to the other teams, uh, how many games is it? Like, I know it's at least five, is it more? I think it's eight games undefeated. Yeah, I think you're right. I think eight games. I, I, think eight I, think games. I think they're basically doing what they did last year where towards the end of the season, yeah. they just had a resurgence and they just, yeah. you know, lo- locked their spots. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like even though Spezia is above, they're tied with Verona. Uh, out of all the teams that I will say I'm surprised to see go down would be Verona. Uh, you know, they're usually one of the teams that, you know, like they have the better defensive systems. They have these players that just tend to, you know, like um, proliferate in their, in, in, their, in their core and just do well that they're, they're fighting for, for to survive relegation. Yeah. Um, bit of a shocker to me, but. I, I think like those are like honestly the between the the, the three, hmm. I can't even give you like a confidence a confidence. I know like, it's hard. Addiction. It's hard. Like we broke down all all the remaining matches for Lecce, Spezia, and Hellas, and it's still we're like, I'm, and we don't know. You don't know, and we, like none of us predicted Lecce beating uh, Udinese this past yeah. weekend, right? But they so, did, and, and they did. And, and typically, when we pick Lecce, they they usually go against what we say. So if we say they're gonna lose, they usually win. So Lecce's probably gonna survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably will. Um, I think though between Verona and Spezia, I think there's more quality at Verona than there is at Spezia, and I think that quality will eventually help them survive. So between those two, I probably would say I would say Spezia is the team that goes back down to Serie B. 
And it's about time, right? They've been on, they've been teetering on the, on that edge for last several seasons, and and, and you know it's maybe due time for them to go back down. Uh, I mean, Hellas, like you said, there's so much talent there. They they gotta stay up, and uh, it'd be nice just a story to see Lecce still in the league, and obviously Salernitana with some of the players. Though I think uh, Ochoa and and Gia are gonna be gone because those are they're the two far, by far best players on the team. Um, so yeah, we'll see the the whole the whole league up and from top to bottom is just exciting this year, especially the 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 top end, which is the top four, and then the, and then the relegation battles. So um, I was gonna talk Champions League with Europe, but let's 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 forget about that. We got some a break here between the before the European game starts. So let's let's get to let's end this on who on couch or Twitter. What do you say? Yeah, I'm down to see this. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, you haven't done this with us yet, so uh, I'll read them all, and then we can go from there. We can pick a winner, and I'll let you even pick the winner here. Uh, uh, let me get some music. Let me set the mood here. Here we go. Okay, let's that? do it. Put some Benny Hill here. You yeah. know Benny Hill, right? Yeah, Come on. Da, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So da, where is da, it? There we go. Okay. All right. So uh, starting things off, uh, Balera, Nicola Balera. So um, Inter, uh, Inter, Inter posted their ratings for the game. And if you take a zoom in, uh, Alessandro Bastoni, uh, he goes, playing under Zaghi ages you apparently. So uh, that's not Alessandro <laughs> <laughs> That's a Cherby. That's a Cherby, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was so bad against Lazio that uh, he, uh, he he put him twice in there. So, uh, But yeah, it's funny. It's funny there uh, from uh, Balera <laughs> catching that. Uh, moving on, moving on. Uh, this is a Nemaser. It's all the, all the semifinalist clubs flexing their sem- Champions League trophies. Right? <laughs> and then get out of here, Man City. Get out of here. It's, it's a family guy reference. <laughs> that, that, that kills it for me. No, uh, no, 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 no. Get, get away, Shane. Let's get away. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to do that because that's insulting somebody. So we're not going to move on from there. Kiara Palulu with the next one. It's a Milan trying to score against Cremonese on Wednesday. And it's a majorly <laughs> lopsided field. And the score will probably be 1-1 or something, right? Something stupid. So it, It's going to it's gonna happen. It's it, Usually yeah. when, when, you, when you expect something like a, like a shellacking of some sort, it never ends up being a shellacking. No, it never is. Uh, moving on. Mina Rizuki says, uh, Gazetto interviewed one of Inter's oldest fans who said she cheered for the team for her mother's womb. She continues, I like this whole team except for one. Walking Korea. <laughs> Poor Korea. <laughs> Korea catching strays no matter where he goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then last one from Apex nominated this one. This was pretty funny here. Uh, oh, this is pretty talented. You've never seen it before. The rules are simple. This guy's predicting the uh, Champions League uh, quarterfinalists, semifinalists, and finalists and winner. Uh, uh, Chelsea. And I'll play. It gets everything correct. And the last one is... Um, to the final. They take revenge. On and the City Madrid. beat Real Madrid. Milan Derby. Inter beating Milan. And then the big final. City Inter versus Inter. City. And Inter win Inter the Champions take League. Away the chance for City. I love how the guy's username is Lovetsy1893. Yeah. I, love, I love the Lovetsy reference. I yeah. will give him that. So he yeah. predicts Inter to win with egg cracking there. So uh, it's possible. It could very well happen. Uh, but uh, you're our guest on this one. A short, short one for this week. Uh, who is your winner? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Family Guy reference with Man City just being shooed away. You got three teams with champ with with Champions League pedigrees there. Uh, Inter with uh, with three, Milan with uh, seven, and Real Madrid with no, fifteen. No, no, City, no, 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 not 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 you, Seamus. <laughs> not you, Seamus. <laughs> it's better with the South. No, 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 not 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 you, Seamus. Not you, not you, Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's our winner. Nemaser is our winner. Uh, why don't you tell the uh, the listeners uh, where they can find you, um, you and your podcast, and uh, plug anything you would like. 
Yeah, sure. Um, so once again, I just want to thank you, Richard, for having me on. Thanks, Frank, even though you're in the air, you're on a trip. Wherever you uh, are. Wherever you are. I thank you once again for trusting me with the duty of being a co-host and allowing me to have some time on. Uh, I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. If you like listening to me, uh, first of all, thank you for even listening to me and, allow, and, and not getting annoyed by my voice. Uh, I'm happy you guys are here in, in good spirits and stuff and, and commentating and giving good feedback. If you are interested in interacting um, with Talking Culture with me or anything in general, uh, at Johnny Rules 27, it's, hold on, let me get, there we go, right there. Uh, at Johnny Rules 27 is my personal Twitter at, also the same thing for Instagram, if you want to follow me on Instagram, for those of you that have an Instagram, but yeah, that's that's my Twitter account. Where I'm on, usually we record once a week, is at the Couch Show Guys. That's the other at underneath that. That's myself, my cousin Nicholas, and our friend Adriano. Uh, we t- like like what they do here at City yeah, Sit Down. We do the same thing. We tend to do a broad overview of the league, even though we support our own individual teams. And um, we always tend to have a guest of a different team on every week to help complement or add more to the podcast. Richard's been on numerous times, for example. Uh, that's our same at for our Facebook page, our Twitter account, our Instagram page. If you like it, give us a follow. And, and we're on uh, all of your pl- podcasting platforms like Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, uh, whatever you listen to your podcast from. Uh, we even upload stuff onto YouTube as well. That's also our YouTube ad. So uh, if, you're, if you're interested in hearing more of us or following us, please give us a follow. We really appreciate it. And if not, it's okay. I don't blame you. You're allowed to do whatever you do. It's your life. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's all I have to, uh, to plug in essentially. Oh, very good. Uh, thank you again for uh, filling in with, uh, with an empty Frank here. I could go solo, but why? No one wants to hear me talk for an hour plus. Uh, so I'm glad to have you on here and uh, give my love to all the guys, other guys at the couch, guys there much love show there. Uh, thanks to everyone on the chat. Uh, if you want to follow me, you can if you like uh, at r underscore k h a r m a n. Follow Frank at ftc underscore twenty one. But more importantly, follow us at City Out Sit Down on Twitter and anywhere on social media. Our podcast can be listened to anywhere we stream music. Um, definitely on our YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe and like to our videos. It'll definitely help the algorithm. And then of course, visit City Out Sit Down. We'll try to provide more some more content there on top of uh, all the videos and podcasts we put out there too. So. Uh, yeah, Johnny, thanks again. Um, look to have talk to you guys very, very soon, whether it's on my pod- our podcast or your podcast, either way, or just in the Twitter sphere or in the Instagram yes. sphere and listen to um, some Razor or something. But uh, <laughs> Definitely. look forward to it. And uh, my friend, as uh, Bob says in the chat, maybe with Anthony, uh, enjoy the celebrations oh, whenever they you. come thank this you. week. Thank or you, guys. Thank you, everyone in the chat. Weekend, so. Thank you for the kind words, guys. All right. For, uh, for Frank, who's not here, for the couch, you guys, for Gianni, for myself, uh, for the chat. Uh, we'll see you next week and uh, yeah, enjoy the uh, game, midweek games this week. Ciao.